We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd, as always, joined by Dale Galvan to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And, well, you never know what might come up on this podcast at some point. We got a ton to discuss here on this episode. It's the January 31st episode of the MMA Report Podcast. We're going to talk about the comments John Anik made about the MMA fan base. Got some uh, interesting thoughts on that one. Also, we'll talk about Sage Northcutt withdrawing from the one event. Of course, last week here on the show, Daniel was actually talking about that match of him and Shinya. Okay, of course, that one did not happen. We'll have our February fight draft where both myself and Daniel will draft five fights. We'll kind of give you the 10 best fights in our opinion. Of course, on Saturday, we'll talk about UFC Vegas 85. We can talk about why Hinato Mankano has clearly gone to the top of my list of favorite fighters in the UFC at this point. And this Saturday marks the first of 11 straight Saturdays where the UFC will have a fight card. The next Saturday that the UFC does not have a fight card is on April the 20th, which does that kind of seem like the UFC should have a card on 420? Seems like there's plenty of fighters on their roster that would fit the vibe. No doubt about it. You know, I mean, that should be every year. The Diaz brothers should be competing on that, on that holiday. Could you imagine Nate Diaz headlining a show on 420? Nick Diaz co-main event. You know that view. You must just put that thing on pay-per-view. I mean, that, that yeah. viewership might be crazy. It's like their version of Canelo Alvarez fighting on Cinco de Mayo yearly. I mean, to be fair, though, I don't think – on 420, I just do think the Diaz brothers would rather be doing something else other than competing. That's understandable. That is, that is very understandable. Yeah, yeah there. I mean, that would be the worst 420 for those two men to work on said yeah. day and not partake in the, uh, the devil's lettuce. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll wrap up the show talking about uh, some two quick hits. We'll talk about the Chris Cyborg tweets directed at PFL. Also, talk about the light heavyweight matchup that has been made by, I guess we call it Bellator PFL. I'm, I'm not even sure how we describe this anymore. Uh, we've got a vacant light heavyweight title fight heading over to Belfast in March for that vacant Bellator light heavyweight title. So we'll talk about that here later on in the show. But, uh, of course, uh, we'll like start the show off kind of talking about what's going on in myself and Daniel's life. Daniel, Monday night, I did something I have not done in a long time. I went to a WWE event. I was at Raw on Monday night. So what did you think of the environment? Here was the only bad. I, I, okay, first off, and and I, I would say most of my WWE uh, consuming comes in on TikTok or Instagram Reels. And so I felt like... It should have been about a two-hour show. I felt like they really just they blew their wad in the first two hours, and then that third hour, it just died. Yeah, the crowd was out of it. I mean, to be frank, I do think that was, for me personally as a viewer, when I stopped watching Raw religiously and began a YouTube highlight watcher looking at Twitter was when they jumped from two to three hours. Even though, as a sports fan, I'm used to three-hour broadcast maybe for a – Monday Night Football or NBA game or whatever, but I was a diehard Monday Night Raw fan every two hours. But once it got to three hours, I'm like, that's a big ask. It became a little more expendable. And that kind of extended to the UFC when it turns comes into you get so much quantity. It was appointment viewing television to watch these fight nights back in the day. I was going to be watching these fight nights on Spike TV. This Saturday, I will not be watching Imabov and uh, Delizay live. I assure you that. Probably won't be watching Hermanson Pfeiffer live. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope that you still had a good time, though. Yeah, no, it, it was a good time. The only bad thing was, was like we were kind of like right near the the entrance. By the way, I thought the the walk from where the, the wrestlers entered to the ring was a very short walkway. It seemed like, you know, it used to be a lot longer than it was, but we were like right near the pyro. So everything that pyro went off, oh, man, I felt like my my ears were ringing for a couple hours after. But overall, it was a good time. Was- who was the best performer? Like, who was the one wrestler you came away thinking, damn, that guy's the best guy tonight? Gunther. Yeah, his chops. How did his chops sound? For those that are unaware, Gunther's made his name, and he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, no doubt. But he has made his name for having the most vicious chops 
Oh, it was funny is because uh, a buddy I was with, uh, he's like, oh, get ready for these chops. And you could kind of like, it almost seemed like Kofi Kingston might oil himself up a little bit to kind of magnify that sound of it. And uh, it was actually, it was one of those things because uh, we were on the opposite side of the hard camera. And so we could see the time clock. So obviously, you know, for them to kind of see where that in the show, and it, it was a fairly lengthy match between him and Kofi. I want to say it was like a 20 minute match at least. I'm sure they probably went through two commercial breaks for it, if I had to imagine. That sounds like a hell of a match. I, I want to go tune in uh, after we get done recording. Yeah, it, but, it was. Uh, a, yeah, it, it was a hell of a match. But overall, man, had, had a really good time and uh, fun time there. And of course, uh, went to Gasparilla on Saturday. Drank way too much. And uh, but you know what? You know, when, when it's your first weekend off, you just kind of got to let loose a little bit. So that that was a good thing for me. And uh, so, man, what, what's been going on with you, man? I'm looking forward to this week, and I'm really excited, you know, from pro wrestling to pro wrestling. AEW is going to be having a television show in the Rio Grande Valley on Saturday. A pro wrestling company has not had a TV show in my area since around 2000. WCW oh, went wow. to this place called South Padre Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is where they ran their show. They ran a – I don't think it was a Nitro. I think it was uh, Thunder. So they ran a show there. That's the last time anyone went live on TV. And so AEW is going to go live on TV from my backyard on Saturday. And I'm most excited about it because Brian Danielson, it just been announced, is going to be wrestling. And he is totally my hero, the guy I consider to be the best wrestler ever. He's retiring within a year. So I'm going to finally see the GOAT. I mean, you were able to see the GOAT play football for a whole season. So you know what it's like seeing the GOAT. I get to see my personal goat. And then the following day, we actually have a pro wrestling show. Some of the AEW wrestlers will be performing on that show as well. I won't be wrestling any of the AEW wrestlers. I'll be wrestling a fellow local guy who I look up to a whole lot. But the coolest part about that thing is we're going to a venue that I grew up in, in terms of when I started training in pro wrestling, it was a a theater venue. Every Friday night we would have a show and I really wanted to perform there. And when the pandemic happened, they got hit hard and wrestling hadn't came back since the pandemic, really. Never thought I was going to perform there. Always imagined I would whenever I was paying my dues. I finally got that shot on Sunday. So, man, it is an exciting pro wrestling weekend for years, truly. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I actually I think I probably will take in a majority, if not all of the UFC event live. On Saturday, just because it's a it's an earlier start. Uh, the prelims at four o'clock Eastern time, main car seven p.m. Eastern time. So you know that thing can get over, and then uh, you know can go out uh, with the fellas on a Saturday night, throw a little darts, and you know have, have a little a uh, couple of uh, friendly beverages and, and enjoy a good night. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still kind of weird for me not to really have much to do on the weekend. So it's a little bit of an interesting time, and uh, you know. We, we always like to talk about the these things we see on social media. And, I mean, look, I think if you go to a majority MMA podcast, there's probably not a, a ton of positive things that are said about Dana White. But it, for some reason, I just saw this, uh, and I don't really check out Dana White's stories uh, a lot, but this one uh, really caught me where he put up, like, this little meme thing, and it said, create a life you can't wait to wake up to. And I was like, damn, that's a great motivational quote. I wonder if that one, uh, I wonder if Vincent Mann saw that story and was like, damn, I wish I could create that men in black machine. What, what a tale, what a tale of two stories between the two key figures in uh, TKO sports. Uh, Dana's doing well for himself and Vince is completely out. Um, it, 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 it's a, it's a big time in, in TKO sports and yeah, Dana's doing good. I think, uh, maybe there's a little power vacuum. For the figureheads and Dana may do well, but uh, you know, I uh, what did you think when you saw that story? I, I just I, I it made me think about my own personal life. Well, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than talking to you, man. Look, this this is one my uh, look this one all right. This is one of my favorite things to do: sit here for you know an hour or so and and chop it up with you. You know, but it, it, to me, it's just crazy about how these social media sites just know what's going on in our lives and and things pop up in your timeline. Like I saw this video of Shannon Sharp and I don't know how long ago it was from his podcast where he was talking about don't define a man by the actions you see because you don't know what that person's been through. And then of course, last night I'm, I'm going through various social media timelines and 
I see uh, this song come up and and I, I listen to the lyrics and I'm like, good Lord, that just describes exactly what's going on in my head right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And sometimes you see stuff that you feel like you haven't viewed, like you haven't inputted said information into the phone, things that are happening in your life. And then you see things, whether it be on TikTok, especially that are incredibly relatable. And you're like, how does it know? You know, is it listening to me at all times, even my inner thoughts? But uh, yeah, the algorithm gets you. I will say the X algorithm, I think it really wants to convert me into like a right wing, like nut job. Like, like I don't know how, but I saw one tweet from like a comedian that I remember listening to in the early 2000s. And I never heard of him since. And this guy has become like insane. Like he's become so crazy that he's arguing with some of the crazy people. And like he's a flat earther. He says crazy stuff. Anyways, I digress. But what I'm telling I'm telling you is to tell you, I looked at his profile and my for you page got so screwed up from that one click. <laughs> I mean, I got I have been getting so much like like not like I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking right. I'm not talking Republican, Democrat. I'm talking right wing nut job stuff like 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 craziness. Okay. And it's just like X wants me to change and <laughs> wants me to do crazy stuff, man. I saw one of those tweets. And Which the reason I saw it was because Ben Folks retweeted it. It was this woman on o, uh, o, is it OAN. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Talking about how the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift is a fake relationship set up by Joe Biden to get votes. I'm like, you can't believe this shit. Please tell. Are, are there people who actually believe this shit? I do. There is so many people. We live in our echo chambers, and it like you, the thing is, you go when you see that you you log off and you come back and then you get like four more, and you kind of live in that world. But it's like. Really? Like in the early 1900s or people saying like Franklin D. Roosevelt was setting up, uh, I don't know much 19, I don't know, I don't know much references in the early 1900s, but like where people coming up with these kind of conspiracy theories about Herbert Hoover and, uh, and Rutherford B. Hayes, were they talking about Chester Arthur, maybe inside job with the local uh, opera singer? Yeah, it's a, it's crazy, but it's, it's a whole enterprise because people consume and eat that crap up and, and yeah, you. I, I I will say I feel like X really wants me to to to. I mean, they've gone like I, when Elon bought the Twitter that he talked about how much it leaned left, and he's like, I'm gonna take this bad boy and I'm gonna lean all the way right. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I've been I've been trying to like tell my Twitter feed, hey, I don't want to see this. Otherwise, most of my socials, Facebook, Insta, TikTok, they really they know me. So you've gotten out of the MMA thread business, which, by the way, I actually got one of, the, one, one of those threads actually came up in my For You timeline. It was uh, about uh, the top five most inconsistent fighters in UFC history. Well, did, did, you, did you write them down? Ross I, rem- Pearson, I remember Michael Johnson was like number four. No, Ross Pearson's got to be number one. I mean, that uh, dude traded wins and losses like he was going out of style. Yeah, I, I, but I haven't seen any of those. But when it came up in my for you timeline, I immediately thought of you because I remember a couple weeks ago you were talking. He's like, "Dude, are you getting these MMA threads?" <laughs> and then of course you click on one, and then you just go, "Oh crap!" I'm about yes. to about ten more of these. I think t- Twitter is the most reactive thing. I think the for you page is the most reactive thing. You click on one tweet, and you're going to see it immediately. And I'm looking at my for you page, and uh, fortunately. I've seen a couple of MA threads, but now it's mostly pro wrestling. I, I do think the Vincent Mann story really I, – I saw a lot of Vince stuff. I'll give you – so I'm sitting here in my office, and I get an email, and I did I, – I didn't really know what was going on. And then it was about this lawsuit from a PR company that I'm guessing is representing the uh, – would be the plaintiff? Would that be the best way to describe it? I think so. I'm a communication the, the, the accused, I guess maybe the accuser maybe be the, the a more defined word to bring it. And then, of course, I go on X, and then you see it all, and then you read the details, and you're like, oh, my God. 
And then I, I'm watching the press conference with, with Triple H, and, of course, you knew the question was going to come up. And I'm just like, let me see how he sidesteps this one. And, like, he immediately goes into, well, we had 48,000 here tonight. Dude, yeah, I was listening to the co-main event podcast, and uh, Ben Folks mentioned it, and he's like, that's the most pro wrestling thing of all time. You have this egregious, like, really awful thing. Like, you, you look into the lawsuit, and you're like, this is – like, whatever you think how bad it could be, it's actually, like, 15 times worse. Like, that's how bad it is. Like, we're talking about just consistent, like, messed up stuff. And uh, he's like, this is the most pro wrestling promoter ever where he's just talking about his attendance <laughs> as a deflection. For for Triple H, man, that was um, that was not a good look. And the thing is, that press conference... I, I, Okay, but if you're Triple H, you're in a no-win situation at that point. I'm sure he was probably told by some PR rep for the WWE or TKO of like, okay, here's how we ideally want you to answer the question because you knew the question was going to come. Yeah, they should have had a prepared statement, and he should not have, when answering said question, he shouldn't have balanced it out with the positive. Like He should have just answered the question with the we're in litigation. He's He's – no, it's not confirmed, but people have done the guesswork, and the and he's a part of the the the, the lawsuit. Like like they think he might be one of the people there because of the details. One of them is like this is a guy who was a former part of the board. Brock Lesnar is involved in the lawsuit. Um, and it's very clearly him, but he's not named. But Wall Street Journal said it's him. I mean, yeah. they said a UFC champion negotiate. Like who else? Ronda Rousey obviously is not. You know. Well, it, did, it didn't even say it didn't even say UFC heavyweight champion. So then it's yeah. only two. It's him and Cain yeah. Velasquez. Unless, uh, unless, um, you know, yeah, but like Steve Miocic was negotiating with the UWWE. We didn't know, but yeah, it was so obviously him. Yeah, yeah, because I feel, I feel like I saw something that Brock was supposed to be at Royal Rumble when they pulled him from the Royal Rumble because of this. Yeah, I mean he he basically allegedly in the lawsuit he basically was like. He was pretty awful too, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, it, it, that lawsuit will forever change wrestling history. Vince is clearly the most important person in the history of professional wrestling, and I think WWE going forward is going to have to basically try their best to erase him from their history. And it's justifiable when you look at what he's accused of, and you take into account he has several other NDAs, and clearly, and this is this is like late in his life. Okay. I'll give you some insight into Raw. So during one of the commercial breaks, they're doing like this DX segment, and what? And they're doing the whole suck it thing. And even Samantha Irvin says, "We got two words for you." And, I, and my buddy looks at me, and goes, "Um, with the lawsuit going on right now, is this really an appropriate segment to do during a commercial break?" Yeah, yeah, that is uh, certainly not. Certainly not. And uh, yeah, man, he's. He's a bad dude, bro. I mean, you look at the stuff we already know. I mean, back in the day, Jimmy Snuka murdered someone, and he helped cover that up. I mean, there are so many different scandals. Look, hey, do do we all forget in MMA lore? You remember when the UFC, I want to say, was in Minneapolis, and Jeremy Stevens was supposed to fight that night? He's sitting in jail, and Dana White is trying to get him out of jail so he can fight that night? Yeah, yeah, that was an absolute crazy situation i mean absolutely nuts but uh you know it, it's uh it the worst part about the whole situation was it wasn't surprising at all it just felt like oh well of course he did all those things duh but it's like damn why didn't this dude get kicked out sooner but uh that's that's what happens whenever you build your own empire but it's come crabbling down now, you know, one of the things we've talked about on this podcast over the past couple of weeks has been kind of about, you know, the the fan base and obviously very much related to, you know, the, the Sean Strickland, everything that's going on with him. And John Anik on his podcast, he uh, he caught a little uh, flack for what he said, where his initial comments, he says, quote, even if you and I both thought Drake's Duplessis won the fight, we try to present that information respectfully. And when I go onto X or I go onto our YouTube comments, it seems like a lot of these fans are just in attack mode. I don't know if these fans are casual fans or not. I appreciate the passion, but I'm getting to a point at 45 years of age where I don't know how much time I have left in MMA space because if I go do pro football, like I'm not necessarily going to be dealing with the lowest common denominator 
all the time. I don't know, man. I just feel there's a lot of malice and disrespect from our fan base. And then there was a comment that kind of backtracked this where he says, quote, last week on my podcast, I was in a heightened emotional state following myriad allegations of bias at UFC 297, and I made some regrettable comments relating to the MMA fan base. While I was surprised at the extent at which my comments were repurposed and sensationalized, I need to be more responsible on an open microphone. So much work goes into the execution of just one UFC pay-per-view, so it can be tough with my integrity on the broadcast as called into question. That doesn't excuse my retort. I am just a fiery, passionate, flawed, empathetic guy, and sometimes my emotions lead the dance. To those MMA fans who I offend, I am sorry. That was not my intention. For 12 years, I pride myself on being accessible to the fan base intention. For 12 years, I pride myself on being accessible to the fan base, and that will continue. I've learned a lot over the last 48 hours. On to Anaheim. And of course, Anaheim is the next host of the UFC pay per view. Of course, that's going to be the Volkanovsky into Poria Car, which of course we're going to be talking about later on. And, you know, one of the things about what he said in his second comment that really stuck out to me, and, and I think as people, we can all relate to this where we have these moments where we get emotional and we let the emotions get the best of us. And we don't want that those emotions to define who we are. We want to say, you know what? I made a mistake. I got to get better. And I do feel like that's what John Anik is saying there. Now, perception is going to be is that he maybe got a call from UFC brass to say, hey, you need to backtrack a little bit. But, like, this is one of my things, Daniel, is I don't think it matters what the sport is. There's always going to be a very small percentage of people that are going to go on X or going to go on YouTube, and they're going to say some really crappy things to you. Yeah, that is the Internet. I mean, regardless of what sport you call you're going to get accused of bias for sure. The question is, is the MMA online space more toxic than other sports? The answer is probably yes. I think it's probably worse, but I couldn't give you the answer because I'm not a part of those other spaces as much as I am MMA and pro wrestling. Like I'm really in the MMA and pro wrestling space. So maybe one of those things where the thing I see up front, I assume, is worse than the things I don't see. But the real problem is that's kind of what the internet is. The loudest people that don't actually represent the vast majority of real people, those are the ones that color your opinion. And the loudest people are people that spew a lot of hate. That's what generates interest. And a lot of it is just keyboard warriors. I don't think John Anik should have apologized for his comments. I think they're valid. But for John, it there was no winning with his comments because the people that he's talking about weren't going to give two shits about his apology. And they weren't going to listen to his initial comments and think, oh, I need to change my ways. But maybe there's a subsection of MMA fans that could have been turned off about that, being th- like thinking, oh, you're thinking that about me? So for him, there's no winning, but I don't blame him for his comments because it probably does have to suck to avoid looking at your phone because that's what he's going to have to do because surely his ex is filled with, filled with a bunch of craziness and especially kind of like the subset of Sean Strickland fans have kind of engaged in real extreme behavior that is off-putting. So I can understand John's frustration. Those aren't real people. Unfortunately, though, that is the internet, and I don't think it's unique to mixed martial arts. No, I mean, I when I think it's it's one of these things of I think there's a toxic fan base, and no matter what sport we're talking about, and I think this is where fantasy sports and gambling come into this, where people are, are losing money. How many, how many NFL players open up their phone on a Sunday after the game, and there's some fan criticizing them because you know because that player did not perform the way they thought they lost their fantasy game because of them and and I've heard various stories about it but you know one of the things to me and and we've talked about this on this podcast I feel like my viewpoint on the MMA fan base is different than the normal MMA media and and obviously you know, I don't. I'm not. A, I don't do the beat reporting anymore. I mean, I do this podcast once a week. I do the show with Pete on Fridays. You know, on, on the week of a UFC event, and I, I think it's sometimes when I see the MMA media talking about the fan base, I think it's a very much they're just looking at 
the internet version of the fan base. And I think when you go out and you watch a UFC event, and look, I'm a marketing director for a restaurant group. Two of our properties show UFC pay-per-views. I go out to watch UFC pay-per-views. So I feel like I get a little bit of a, a different audience, a different view. And I, I was telling Daniel before the show, like there's there's three moments to me watching a UFC event out out and about that really stuck out to me. Two more from last year. One was from 2020. Uh, the one from 2020 was the Connor and Cerrone pay-per-view where I remember the co-main event, I want to say it was Raquel Pennington versus Holly Holm. And I remember looking around the bar as that fight was starting. And I was like, Jesus, no one cares about this fight. And then the other two big ones that stuck out to me were um, where you saw Mexican fighters and how that brought a fan base out there for a year. Rodriguez. And we took on Volk. Volk, to me, was I was surprised how big of a fan base he has here in the United States. And the other one that stuck out to me was when Charles Oliveira was the co-main event of the June pay-per-view last year where the 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 bar was totally in on his fight. And then when the Nunez fight started, it was like no one realized the greatest one's fighter of all time is fighting. And so, like, to me, I, I think it's, it's very intriguing to me when you look at the MA media. And also you brought this point up to me and it was kind of a point I knew, but like you think about the traditional way people got MA news, but now we're in kind of this new age of these YouTube creators that are drawing massive numbers. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, there's these people that are getting like 50,000 views for crazy videos. A lot of them kind of sexist. And, you know, I know that, by and large, men's MMA is more popular than women's MMA, but there's been a real topic of conversation amongst the, the lowest common denominator of like, oh, there's three women's fights on UFC 300. It's ruining the pay-per-view. Like, that's like a real conversation. What? What? Yes. You're yes. Fucking, you go, you're, fucking, you're fucking with me. Bro, I mean, that's like a, that's oh, like a real conversation. And that's God, what John's man. talking about. I'm baffled. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's insane. It's insane. Like, literally, like, let me just go to MMAmania.com, which is a, a website that has a really rough comment section. But I need to find this article. Oh, I saw. I, I feel like they tweet out or Facebooked out an article that was basically titled, Kayla Harrison will get exposed at UFC 300. I, I don't know I why I... The term expose, I've seen so much in headlines with Kayla Harrison over the past week. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a way to get clicks, man. It is it is a way to get cl- clicks, but uh well, and for, yeah. and we and we've talked about this. That's that's the unfortunate part of what today's media is about. It's not about I think there's people who want to create dope content. But I also think as much as there's people who want to create dope content, there's also a lot of people out there that are just basically asking questions to get a viral clip for IG reels or TikTok. Yeah, totally. And, and this is what I was talking about. So MMA Mania put out an article for um, the Marina Rodriguez fight and um, with Andrade. And these are some of the comments. Think that's enough chick fights for a 300. I really did try to get into watching WMMA. Just in general, don't really care for most fights. Uh, God, nope. This isn't even in the eye candy category. None of the two scrub up well. Here we have it. A women's MMA fight I am not sipping for. And these are all comments that are highlighted green, wow. I guess, because they've been given recommended. So that's what I think John is talking about. And those aren't real people. Well, they are real people, but they aren't a vast majority of human beings. Cause that's messed up to say. And, uh, and, and I think that's the, the underbelly, the nasty part of the MA community and every community has an underbelly. Every community does. Yeah. But that's the, that's the, the gross part. But, um, yeah, it, but it's a self-fulfilling, pro- not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is something that will be constant. As long as we have internet, there will be these groups of people and who knows if they even watch the product, who knows if they're even buying the product, but they'll show up on social media. They'll show up in the comment sections. Will they actually show up and buy a ticket? I doubt it. But those are the people a lot of us think of when we see it online. And it's just like every day we wake up, Jason, we go online, man. It's like a damn 
it's like a, a battlefield. I, I don't, but I found myself that I just really don't go to those places anymore. Like it's, I'm just sitting there. You know what? I just want to turn on that TV, whether I'm sitting at home or if I'm going out, I just don't watch dope fights. Like it, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of these things where I, I tell people who are in this industry, man, get away from the computer and watch fights. You might enjoy yeah. it a little bit more. That's good for life. That's good for life because uh, there are diminishing returns for spending time online. There's no doubt about it. No yeah, doubt it, about it. It's like I told somebody the other day, they were talking about, you know, watching cable news. And I was like, yeah, I stopped watching cable news like four years ago. And they go, why? I go, because it was depressing to watch. Yeah, it's just arguments. And I yeah, have I mean, it on occasionally, but I yeah, usually I mean, stick it, to it, cable news. Yeah, for me, it's just like I, I just enjoy sitting there, whether I'm sitting by sitting at home by myself on the couch and, and and watching the fights or going out and watching the fights. I personally, one of the reasons I love going out to watch fights is it's just people watching during the fights because that can sometimes be the best. Yeah, yeah, it is fun. It is fun just to see people's reactions, see what people are doing, see how many people have a UFC fighter kits on. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, not too often. No, not many, no. not many. It would yeah. it would be it would be ironic if somebody from the USC asked John Anik to apologize after Dana's comments about freedom of speech. But I digress. I, I look, I would that would be my perception is that somebody in the UFC had a conversation with John Anik. I and yeah. I could very well be wrong, but that would would seem like that's a likely scenario. I mean, it, it, but it's funny. just like. I, I think it's one of these things where, and I saw a com, you know, I, mean, I mentioned I don't really check comments a lot, but I saw a post where someone was talking about this, and I thought it was an interesting comment from a fan. It said, "If you want to go call out Sean Strickland for his views, and look, we do not agree with, we do not agree with Sean Strickland's views, but it said, if you're going to call him out for his views about the LGBTQ plus community." You better call out other fighters who have the same views, and I and I kind of thought I knew who they were talking about, and it, it's just one of those things of like, yeah, the the, the commoner's not wrong. If you're going to call out one for it, you got to call them out all of them. Yeah, and, and I think clearly they're implying fighters that are devoutly religious, and some of those yes. religions don't don't look upon LGBTQ. You know, highly. I think the major difference is Sean maybe is more vocal. I mean, the man goes out there and wears a shirt talking about women in the kitchen. I mean, it's uh, he's he's a little more vocal, even though you have fighters who are devoutly religious and religions that maybe aren't um, pro LGBTQ. They usually aren't uh, voicing it. They're keeping it to themselves. I, and yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. On uh, on Saturday, we do have a man fighting who said a homophobic slur uh, the last time he was in the cage. Yeah. But I mean, still, I, I think that with the whole, the way the whole is played out for Sean Strickland, I think fires probably look at that and go, you know what? I don't want to be the next guy that's made an example out of. You know, I don't want to be the guy that's being talked about on, on various notable programs because of expressing my opinions no matter no and it could be about anything you know um i, I just think that you know but sean strickland's gonna be who sean strickland is i mean he, he ain't changing for anybody and it, it works well for him because he has built he has become one of the fighters that a lot of people care about going forward and he is now one of the stars of the ufc even without a championship belt he will consistently find himself in main event spots and also in positions to be fast-tracked for championship rematches. He's in that Colby Covington, Conor McGregor orbit. I mean, who knows if Conor gets a whole championship belt made just for him. Yeah, uh, well, I think that's probably more likely than it's not. Damn, damn, I guarantee Well, I guarantee you by tomorrow – when this podcast is out, we'll have a UFC 300 main event. I am to the point right now, I would be shocked if it's not Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. I know, right? Like, I, I, I just, I keep, I, I was looking at the fight card the other day, and, and I just said, like, I, I feel like even if you said it's Leon versus Bilal, 
Like, I feel like fans are just going to crap all over it. Like, I feel like Dana and the UFC wants to put out a huge fight. And I just, it just, it has that feel that we're about to get a Connor fight announcement. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like Connor's looking to have a big 2024 with the, the fight in Roadhouse. He actually looks pretty interesting in that trailer. I, I got to say, I'm looking forward to the movie. I mean, it, it looks like a carbon copy of, of Roadhouse. Except for the except for Connor's probably gonna get a bigger role than Terry Funk did, but uh, yeah, he looks pretty good. I could see him doing an acting career if if, uh, if he comes out good. Now, something you mentioned last week on the podcast when you were talking about you know some action we had last weekend. One was about that one championship event was where uh, Sage Northcutt was supposed to take on Shane Aoki. Of course, I think everybody now knows that fight did not happen. Uh, Sage Northcutt on his Instagram wrote this. He says, "I'm sorry to all my fans and to my opponent Shane Aoki for not fighting tonight. There were some last minute visa issues with two of my coaches, and they were on their way back to the U.S. right now. One championship offered to help help by giving me a world champion jiu-jitsu coach for a replacement." but not having my coaches that train my whole camp with out there with me to compete against arguably the world's greatest MMA submission artists of all time wasn't going to be best for me. Thank you, Chartree, and one championship for trying your best to make things work at the last minute. Again, I apologize to Shinya and everyone that was tuning in. I know that one 165 is an incredible car with incredible world-class talent that everybody will still enjoy. And this is just one of those stories, Daniel, in in this sport where you just you feel like there is a portion of this story that we just don't know and we'll probably never know. Yeah, this is a strange story. I mean, we've been covering mixed martial arts for a very long time. Have you ever heard a story like this? I mean, usually when you're talking about a visa situation, that's something that is, you know, even if they're trying to get a last minute visa, they would have known a week before, two weeks before that. That to me is the, was there a reason his coaches weren't maybe let into the country? But dude, have you ever seen a fighter pull out because his corner isn't there? I, I, I get it. I get why you, you know, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation, but it's like, it's a weird situation. It's not great, but honestly, if you can get in the country, bro, fight. That's my outlook. If you can get in the country, bro, fight. I mean, it it sucks. You were dealt a bad hand if your coaches aren't there, but... I don't think the corner and the coaches play that big of a role into what is happening inside the cage. They play a minor role and they can help you make some adjustments and maybe spot some things out there. But whatever was going to happen in the in the against Shinya Aoki was going to happen regardless of who was in the corner. It was going to come down to whether or not he was going to stop those takedowns. I mean, maybe it's a situation you're you're in a foreign country all by yourself, and maybe that plays part into it. And I mean, look, I, I think that this sport is as much mental as it is physical. I mean, obviously, it's a huge physical component, but like maybe mentally, because your coaches weren't there, it really just it it, it screwed with you. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm usually very like pro athlete, like you know, but I'm very like you should have fought. I mean, I, I get it. In terms of, yeah, you want everything to be great when you're fighting. But this is a business. And you're going to sign a contract to go fight somewhere and go compete. That, to me, is not a good enough excuse to pull out of a fight, to be honest. Like a fight that you were selling tickets to on the eve of an event. When you are already someone who has a bit of a questionable reputation. I mean, I get it sucks. Shinya has an advantage. Maybe you tell Shinya, hey, bro, how about we just do no corners for this fight? You down? And Shinya's like, nah, bro, I think I'd rather fight a 125-er. And uh, he did that and tapped out John Lineker <laughs> so quick. But, uh, yeah, for 1FC, man, I mean, you know, they put on a fight card. It had a lot of fights that were interesting. Um, the kickboxing matchup was really cool. Super Lick versus Takiru. But uh, I will say the uh, the mixed matchup between Niki Hoxson and Yushihiro Saksiyama should not have happened. That was egregious. Saksiyama got blitzed. Um, he got demolished. He's too old. 
but the, the the side note is I'm very excited to see the career of featherweight Gary Tonin, who uh, went out there, got a submission. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, he uh, he went out there, beat Martin, Martin Gwynn, and uh, he's now, I believe, 8-1. So Gary Tonin at featherweight, very famous grappler. Looking forward to seeing what his MMA career has in store for him. No doubt about it. Now, as we look ahead to the month of February here in the world of MMA, we have four UFC events, plus we have the PFL and Bellator events. So we're going to give you go through our February fight draft here. And, of course, back in January, I went back and looked and saw that Daniel had the first pick. So I get the first pick this month, and uh, it's an easy pick. Like, how do you how do you not pick Volkanovski versus Deporia, Daniel? Yeah, bro. I mean, that is very clearly the number one pick. Uh, no doubt about it. It's a hell of a fight card. I think we're going to be leaning really heavily. You know, this month has four UFC events and one PFL uh, event. And I think we're going to be leaning really heavily on the last two UFC cards for our five picks. But Elia Volk is the best pick, no doubt about it. For my two picks, I'm going to go with the headliner on the, the last UFC card of the year of the month. I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval. I think that's going to be an amazing fight. And uh, now I'm having a hard time between, for my next one because, to me, there's three really, really good fights still available, and you're going to be able to get two of them, you asshole. <sighs> Give me Henry Cejudo and Marab Davishvili as my number two pick. So I will tell you, so earlier today, I was going through my, my, I ranked them. You took my number two and number three fight. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Well, you're about to take my four and five, you guys. I don't know if I'm going to take your next two. I think one of them is definitely, and that is Yair and Brian Ortega. Okay, okay. And then I think I'm going to surprise you. Yeah, you are. Give me the co-main event on Saturday. Hinato Mancano and Drew Oh, my Dover. God. I, I just think stylistically that has got fireworks written all over it. I actually think it should be the main event on Saturday. It should not be the co-main event. But, like, to me, because of the fighting styles of both guys, I think that just has a chance to be fireworks. I need to make sure that Al Davis isn't talking to me. This is like when he took Darius Hayward Bay because he was infatuated at the speed. Look, Dober Moicano is a badass fight. It is a badass. Well, unless Moicano brings him down and grapples with him, then it might not be a badass. But as long as these two stand in trade, Drew Dober is all action, and Moicano, he loves to scrap whenever he does. But uh, we'll see what happens in that fight, Jason. But I just feel like Whitaker and Costa has just got way more gusto on it. I mean, these fighters matter a little bit more. I mean, Dober and Moncano mm-hmm. do matter, but Whitaker is like a fifth-ranked middleweight in the world, former champion. Costa's exciting. Um, God, I really want to go to the PFL, but honestly, I'm telling you, you told me you look at all the remaining fights and you say, Daniel, you can only watch one fight. I'm going to go with freaking Ian Gary and Jeff Neal. Like, I want to see that fight. There's some bad blood in that one. It's a good matchup. I want to see that scrap. I will go with uh, my next pick. I'm going to go to that PFL Bellator event. It's not the main event. It's the co-main event. Impica Saganai versus Johnny Eblen. And I was watching a a clip from the, the press conference I had last week, and I thought it was really interesting the question was asked to Johnny Eblen about, you know, him being called the best middleweight in the world. And he said, he goes, I've never said that about myself. Y'all say that about me. He goes, this was the opportunity that was given me, so I took it. And I thought that was really a fascinating conversation with uh, that he had there. My last pick, this one is interesting to me because there's some solid matchups I've, I've got on here. Uh, I'll stick with the PFL on Bellator. Give me Clay Collar versus AJ McKee. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good pick, man. Um, to me, when I was looking at the what was left, I was only looking at the PFL Bellator. And um, there were two fights. You took one of them. The other one that I'm going to take is Patricio Pitbull and Jesus Pinedo. That'll be my fifth fight. To me, those fights are more interesting than maybe the headliners we're going to be seeing out of the UFC with Pfeiffer, Joe Pfeiffer and uh, Hermanson and Deluce and um, Imovov. 
The other fights I had that uh, did not make our draft here, uh, Danny Gay versus Andre Feely. I think that's got to be that's got a chance to be a really fun fight. Uh, I'll, the main event, I know a lot of people are not excited for this one. Hermanson and, and Joe Pfeiffer. I think it's it's really interesting to see Joe Pfeiffer taking this big step up in competition. What does he look like? And then uh, how about then the last one I had on my list, Gabriel Braga and Aaron Pico. Oh, that's a sneaky good one. I wasn't even that one. I wasn't even thinking about, but that one is justifiable. I mean, Pico is incredibly exciting, and and Braga is a nice little challenge for him. That's a, that's a solid one too. I mean, also you got Vadim Nenkov competing. You know, Bader's fighting Ferreira. There's some good scraps on that PFL card. Is it wrong with me? Like the the Bader fight, I just uh, doesn't really excite me. No, it doesn't excite me either. He's still damn good and. You know, it presents an opportunity for Hennon Ferreira to establish himself as a stud if he gets through Ryan Bader, but it's not very sexy. It's like vanilla ice well, cream. I mean, look, and you got to think about it. Both those guys have to be going that fight thinking, if I go out here and showcase and put it on a great performance and Francis does indeed fight, you know, May again, the winner of that fight's got to be a leading candidate to get the Francis fight. Yeah, one of them. Until Jay Paul puts on 45 pounds and fights a heavyweight. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of motivation there. But, you know, by the time Francis returns to mixed martial arts, Ryan Bader will be a grandfather. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, look, we're going to see what happens in that Francis fight. If he if he somehow, you know, beats Anthony Joshua, I'd why would he ever come back to MMA? There would be no purpose. He would make so much less money. Like so, like it would just he would just be saying I don't like money. That's what he would be saying. Exactly, exactly. Now, of course, coming up on Saturday, we got UFC Vegas eighty five prelim start four p.m. Eastern time. Main card seven p.m. Eastern time. The entire card is on ESPN Plus. Of course, you got uh, Delize and Imovov is the main event. Co-main event: Mokana and Dober. Also, you got uh, Brown versus Salikov, Rujo versus Silva. Uh, Rujo versus Silva is kind of one of those kind of those intriguing matchups on this card. Of course, Vidyan Rujo has been taking on the upper echelons division. Natalia Silva uh, coming up there as well. Always uh, a Molly McCann fight as long as the fight's going to stay on the feed is always something interesting here. But uh, Hinato Mankano has becoming my favorite fighter. And it's all because of what he said this week, Daniel. Quote, this is a fight night. No one gives a shit about fight nights, so it doesn't matter if it's a co-main event, main event, or the prelims. Who gives a fuck, bro? It's just a cheap way to put UFC on ESPN. So, hey, Dana White, I'd rather be on UFC 299, but I don't make the rules. I am an employee, and on February 3rd, I'll beat Drew Drew Dober. It doesn't matter if it's in the apex. Another thing is no one likes the Apex, my brother. You can ask anybody in the world. The fans hate the Apex and the fighters. I'm pretty sure they don't like the Apex, too. The UFC has so many fighters right now. They have to make so much so much fights that it makes sense. Apex, ESPN. But if you ask me, I'm happy to fight in the Apex. No way, brother. No way. <laughs> preach, brother. Yeah. Hinato Mincano, preach away. He is uh, testing the... Uh freedom of speech policy that is available to all UFC fighters with those comments. And, you know, Charles Johnson, great interview with uh, J- Jamie Theodosi, got some traction today. He's also on this card. And uh, I'm going to double check this real quick. I believe he's had like four fights in the UFC. And I believe every single one of them yes. has been in the apex. He's had, yeah. he's had quite a few, uh, I think he's had more. Okay, okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at this. It's been like the last four fights because his first fight was uh, against Makayev. That one was um, not in the apex. That was probably in Abu Dhabi, right? Uh, I think that one was in England. Uh, Blaze versus Aspinall. Yeah, yeah, that was an England card. I'm doing my research right now, but okay. Moral of the story: debut was in England, so obviously his family couldn't go out there. And the last five fights have been in the apex. And this is his quote. This is amazing. I can't even get my wife in there and my baby girl because the ticks, the tickets are effing $1,600 plus, And they say I don't have any tickets every time I fight to give me one ticket for my wife. So it's pretty irritating. Um, for a time, I enjoyed it. But now I'm just like irritated because I haven't been afforded the full UFC experience. My whole career is going to be in the effing apex. 
Yeah, I don't see it. Even though Dana White's indicated they, you know, they're going to get on the road more. By the way, the, also the other Hinato Mankano quote uh, from uh, his appearance on the Ariel Hawani show. Quote, if you like me, that's okay. But if you don't like me, fuck you and I don't care. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, like, okay, if you're the manager of Hinato Mankano, how do you not make a shirt with that quote? Yeah, that's a good, that's an attitude for a way of life. Could you, could you imagine, like, if you were, like, you know, in Las Vegas this weekend and you had that shirt, how many people would probably buy that shirt? I, I think, uh, I think Mokano had done a lot for himself in that one single interview to get you excited with that co-main event. I mean, that fight should go on last. It, it's got more traction. It's more excited. It major draft. It's so much more interesting. I mean, Delete say Ivanov is a fine fight, but Dober Makano is the people's main event. Yeah, and to me, it's just stylistically. I mean, when you think about those guys, I think of action pace guys. I mean, obviously, you think of Drew Dober, you know, with with the power he does have. But we've seen some chin issues uh, recently with him, and uh, you know, and obviously, if you look at who McConnell's lost to in the UFC, it's the elite at one forty five and one fifty five. So to me, that is an exciting matchup on this one. Um, you know, outside of that, I mean, there's there's not a lot that just gets me excited. Yeah, I mean. Imovov and Delidze is an important fight at middleweight, and it's a fight that's going to tell us where these guys are. Delidze really started his career off quite well, but some of his wins have aged poorly based on how the guys he has beaten has performed since then. He's coming off a pretty bad loss. He has great power. If he's able to go out here and knock out Imovov, we're now going full full send. Delidze is a top 185er. Imovov, very technically sound, doesn't have a lot of buzz, deserves to be the favorite, and he is. And I think he's going to outpoint Delize and win a fight. But the big thing for Roman is the power. So, I mean, the middleweight matchup is a good scrap between two top 15 middleweights. Dober Moicano, that's a fight that's going to be exciting. Dober is one of the most exciting guys on the roster. I think Moicano wins because he has more options, right? If things don't go well on the feet, he can look to grapple with Dober. Um, when you look at what else is interesting, again, this fight card sucks ass. But um, sorry, fighters, but it does. But uh, I gotta say, we have a guy from the Rio Grande Valley, Gilberto of Urbina, competing. He's taking on Charles Radke, who barely beat Blood Diamond. Uh, so you know, not the most impressive resume. I'm gonna go with the Valley guy. Uh, also, Nat Natalia Silva, as you mentioned, intriguing flyweight prospect. Vivian Arajo is like. Solid. That's a good fight. Um, Alia Skab Kizrev. All I know is this dude is undefeated. This dude is called the Black Wolf. He's from Russia. He's from Eagles MMA. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, but to me, if you're you're tuning in on Saturday night, the I mean, outside of hey, you love the fight game, to me, the reason that you are tuning in on Saturday night is because of this main event and co-main event. Particularly for me, it will be the co-main event. And uh, but I mean, look, it'll be nice. So uh, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I got a studio recording till about two o'clock on on Saturday afternoon. Then I can go home and just sit on the couch and uh, you know turn turn on some fights. And uh, I'll, I'll 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 check these fights out, and I'm sure I'll probably play some bets here on the fights as well you know because uh you know it's always it's always uh, fun to have a little action in on it so uh i will say this i, I did uh natalia sylvia either wins by knockout or wins round three there's some juicy props out there but uh if, if you want to get a little bit on the game we action dfs action on friday i'll have my show with pete rogers jr over over on fight hq we'll break that one down for you but uh one in this episode with two little quick notes here one about chris cyborg and the other also related to bellator with their light heavyweight tile chris cyborg so she had this tweet which very well could not have been sent by her, could have been sent by from someone in her team. It said, quote, start to understand why at KOH tried to leave PFLMA both times she became a free agent, and she tags um, Don Davis and Peter Murray uh, in the post, and uh, Don Davis did have a tweet about basically why Pacheco versus Cyborg's not happening in February, and uh, <laughs> clearly Chris Cyborg and the PFL are not off to a great start. Yeah. It's um, if Cyborg gets in that cage, the PFL Spark cage, 
How awkward would the interactions be between her and Don Davis and Pete Murray? Like, yeah, do they I, talk to each other? What would that even be like? Because that relationship is so icy. Pete, but you know, my issue is Peter Murray. Did you see the comments he made about Kayla Harrison last week? It's like he so. he's trying to be nice about it, but then he also kind of goes in goes into the Dana White playbook. And I want to pull, I'm, I'm pulling up this quote here uh, from MMA Fighting, uh, where it says, Listen, we wish this, uh, listen, we wish Kayla well. PFLC, uh, Peter Murray said on Wednesday when asked about Kayla Harrison's exit. She's a two time champion with us, women's 155. She's moving on to the UFC. She's going on a store car, which I believe is a testament to the level and quality of talent in the PFL. We wish her well. Great quote. You probably should end it at that point. It's going to be interesting seeing Kayla fight in 135 pound division, but we wish nothing but the best, nothing but love. We'll continue to be excited and about supporting women in the sport. We have some of the best women in the world. Uh, goes on to say, we're disappointed the fight between Cyborg and Kayla did not happen. Kayla chose not to make it happen and move on to the next chapter. Just has to get his dicks in, huh? <laughs> like, dude, your your first part it was good. You had to like you were saying, hey, she's she's going out doing what's best for her. Da, da, da. Then he had to go full Dana White. He, were, he was landing the plane, landing the plane, and then just had to get that jab in there. That's the PFL way. Yeah, I mean, like, it, yeah, it's just it's just crazy over there. Uh, the other quick hit here, Corey Anderson versus Carl Moore is going to be for the vacant Bellator light heavyweight title March 22nd in Belfast. And uh, I saw a lot of uh, tweets about this basically saying, who? And uh, for those who are not following the Bellator product, Carl Moore has been in Bellator for some time. And he's on a nice little win streak. I think this is also the fact of it's in, it's in uh, Belfast. He's from Belfast. I, I think that has a lot to do with why he got this opportunity. I would imagine Corey Anderson is going to be five to one, if not more, of a betting favorite in this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bellator's doing what they can do to make the fights happen. I mean, I just I don't really like the idea. Maybe whenever it happens, and I'll, I'll get with the program. But I don't really like the idea of making Bellator champions because that light heavyweight championship means nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey Anderson is a top light heavyweight, but in order to be considered the, considered the best light heavyweight in Bellator slash PFL, he would have to beat Vadim Nimkov, not beat Carl Moore. Wow. Well, he's no longer a 205er, though. That's true. That's certainly true. And the title was vacated. And maybe that's the best match that we can make out of the people who aren't, who aren't in the PFL roster currently. But it's a bit too confusing. Corey should win easily. But who knows? Maybe Carl will shock the world and, you know, his home continent. Like To me, it'll be very interesting to see what is the MMA fan base reaction for the PFL Bellator pay-per-view versus UFC 298. Will there be similar interests or not probably not but i'm i'm interested to see what what the fan base is like because i i think it's one of these things of like i think the pfl is putting on the best card they i i I shouldn't say best card they're putting on because i think there's obviously if you could have had chris cyborg on this card that would have made a lot of sense Uh, if you could have had usman Nurmagomedov on this card, but of course he's currently in our suspension with the california state athletic commission you know, but I think they they did their best to put the best fights on that they could. Is the, is the PFL card going to be going on at the same time as that fight night? No, it'll be it'll be in the afternoon. Like the, I want to say, I want to say the prelims start at like twelve p.m. on um, ESPN. I want to say the pay per views like maybe like at three o'clock. It's a rough time. Oh yeah, because it's in Saudi. Duh. Yeah, yeah, it's in Saudi. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. I digress. Yeah, I, I, the buzz probably won't be that big, but you know, people will be watching. I'll be watching. I'll yeah, be I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what happens here, um, and, and how the, and, and I've said this already on this podcast this year. I think one of the biggest stories in MMA in 2024 is is how does PFL grow? How how do they cut into the the massive market share that the UFC has on this industry? And, and I don't know if they can or not. No, but if they do, if they do, it's going to be small and it's going to be deliberate. It's going to take some time to, to get into that market share. One positive event at a time. Yeah, I, I did see that Dana White interview with uh, is it Vivek? I don't know what the presidential ca- the guy that was the presidential candidate was that who I was with Ramsey? Okay, yeah, Vivek Ramsey was with. 
I I, I yeah, saw the clip. I, 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 I saw. Really I, I, I saw some clips on on social media. One of them was about yeah, fire. Yeah, that clip was stupid. Yeah, that clip was so stupid. Yeah, it's like yeah, we're not going to mention the fact that fires get less than twenty percent. Dana White doing a podcast with Joe Biden anytime soon? You, there's a better chance he comes on this podcast than that. I know, right? Dana, you're welcome anytime. Here. Anytime, Dana. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make time for you. We won't. We won't ask you too many hard questions. Just a couple. Look, I, I, this is my thing. Is like. I have, there's nothing wrong with asking a tough question. I think it's a, how you ask it part of it, but I think also it is, you got to understand the subject you're talking to. Yeah. And, and how you, how you phrase the question. It's got to come down to what your goal is. Are you just trying to get a reaction or are you trying to get real answers? What's your, what's your goal? I would, my mentality was always, I want to have a dope conversation. Yeah, and, and and why, and why lead it down a path where your guest is just going to shut down on you? Yeah, then you aren't going to get anything out of them, and and you're not going to give your viewers something worth listening to. Yeah, it, it's like anytime I, one of the things, and and I, I watch the Pat McAfee show a lot, and you see why so many people want to come on that show because it's just about having a good time. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a pretty good show. I have it on a lot, and. I like it a lot. The only thing is sometimes I get overstimulated. Sometimes I'm watching the show and there's like a lot of noises going on. I'm like, what's <laughs> happening? There's, there's a lot of noises going on. There's like 47 people. The only person who doesn't talk is AJ Hawk, who I don't think has talked the entire time he's been on the show. He just. <laughs> but uh, I, I do enjoy the Pat McAfee show. I do enjoy it. It just overstimulates me sometimes. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, yeah. AJ gave a uh, gave a little shout out for one of uh, one of the bars in our restaurant group. So I was like, oh, I appreciate it, AJ. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, and the Pat McAfee show is cool because like you just randomly have it on. And he just has like the biggest names in sports. Like, had it on. Oh, there's Tom Brady. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna listen to this interview, and it's not like a short interview; it's a long interview. So it's it's good stuff. Yeah, I, I would say you. Uh, one of the things I I find fascinating was uh, last week they were. It was uh, one of the days that Chuck Pagano was on. And Pagano was talking about how when he first got the head coaching job in Indianapolis, like one of his big things when he built his staff is he wanted guys to have been around the league just because of, of having someone he could turn to. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really fascinating. You know, yeah. to kind of hear that. There, there's there's some really there, – there's some interesting, and, of course, you know, uh, Pat now back uh, on WWE programming uh, full-time. He's – bro, he's winning at life. Let's just say that. He is winning in life, no doubt about it. I mean, he is uh, making, he's living the dream, all of his dreams simultaneously. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, he is. You, you talked about, and, and that's, and I kind of go back on a conversation. I mean, I think now we're, we're in this media world where it's about betting on yourself and starting a YouTube channel. And if you can get the right funding behind it, you, you got a really chance to, to do something special. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. I would tell you this, man. I, I love Nightcap with uh, Shannon Sharp and Ocho. Mm-hmm. It's a tremendous show. Yeah, and he and he has shown that if you bet on yourself, it can absolutely work out well. Dude, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about betting on yourself and hitting a grand slam? Yeah, that's Shannon Sharp. Yeah, he absolutely, absolutely. He could have gone. He could have, you know, it could have been the end. And in fact, it's been the biggest part of his career, I think. You know, I, I think know. more people are are into that than what he was doing on FS1. Yeah, I mean, he literally, I was watching this clip of him. He, he was basically talking about all the jobs he's been fired from. He's, he's like talking about getting released from Denver, getting cut by Baltimore. And he goes, he talks about getting fired by CBS, getting fired by Fox. And yeah, it just shows, man. And it kind of goes back to that, you know, that meme I talked about, you know, the Dana White meme about, you know, creating the life that you want. And sometimes you can bet on your, you know, betting on yourself. And we've seen it in May so many times. Betting on yourself doesn't win. But, uh, man, it's 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 fascinating to see what, how, I think about when I got into radio in 2002 and the way people consumed content in 2002 in comparison to 2024, it is completely opposite. Yeah, 
and who knows what it'll be like in 2048. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look where, you know, I mean, how, how, you know, yeah, it's crazy. We listen to holograms. <laughs> Everything will be AI generated. AI. Yeah. Yeah. AI generated. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for the the podcast. Uh, we got any? Uh, you mentioned about you got some. You got the AEW show that you're going to and uh, wrestling on Sunday. What else is on the agenda for this weekend, man? Well, for my job, you know, I work for a municipality. Big weekend for the city. We have a marathon on Saturday, so I will be recording people running. I won't be doing the the running, but I'll be up there bright early. And so, yeah. How about you? Are you excited to have a good weekend? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I got, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things in motion over the next uh, 48 hours or so for me. So getting all the, that stuff uh, carried away. And then, uh, you know, this Saturday, you know, Saturday night, I'll, I'll go out with the fellas. You know, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I love to go out and throw darts. That's, that's my thing, man. I, you know, I just love to sit there and, you know, throw, throw some darts, you know, have a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of sodas, maybe have some, you know, wings, something like that. And, uh, just have a good time and then Sunday I'd just be I was at, I was I was actually thinking I was like Orlando's only an hour and a half drive away. Do I just go see what the Pro Bowl is like? Or do I just sit at home and watch it? Honestly, I think you'll be a little disappointed with the with the experience, but you know, it it's not going to be that fun to watch, but maybe the environment will be cool. Maybe there'll be a lot of cool things to do other than watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, Church Street is not very far away from uh, uh, Camping World Stadium. Church Street is is basically the party district in Orlando, in downtown Orlando. Fun, fun place to go. Fun yeah, so maybe go. maybe uh, make it about Church Street, less about the Pro Bowl, but go and check in and see what's yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, then what's a hotel cost me? Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a key part. Yeah, that, that is a very key part. But as always, appreciate everyone tuning in for the podcast. Of course, we'll be back here next Wednesday to talk about uh, what happened at UFC Vegas 85. Of course, then we got a UFC show coming up this week. And before you know it, we'll have UFC 298. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for episode podcast, and we will talk to you next week.